What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, you Machiavellian. Ah, I see you, man. I see you. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I am the number one boy. <laughs> man, Secession wrapped up last night and we, we got a lot to talk about because it was, was a show. We didn't we didn't get a chance to preview and by the time we kind of were able to catch up, we figured we'd just let the season wrap up and give our thoughts. So we have a whole season to talk about, a lot of great moments, also some rap and hip hop albums to talk about today. So before we dive into any, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Nostalgia Pod on YouTube, SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod, go to our Twitter nostalgia pod and give us a follow there share us with friends help us grow we appreciate it dave why don't we start with mac miller we got a couple albums we're gonna be talking yg and travis scott as well but mac miller is somebody we've talked about here we reviewed divine feminine what two years ago 2016 fall 2016 yeah so it's been a little under two years since his last album and we, we really i think we enjoyed his album i think we said artistically he's He's a solid artist, kind of in that tier of, you know, he's going to keep making solid records, but maybe not that superstar level. But he's he's had some hard times this year, man. You know, Ariana Grande dumped him and like immediately got engaged to, to Big Dick uh, Pete Davidson. <laughs> and then... Still strange. Still so weird. weird. And then kind of soon after, he got in some legal trouble with a DUI and a hit and run. So he's just had a pretty rough year. How did it play out in this album? By all accounts, it uh, seems the album came out pretty darn good. I don't know how much of uh, the current events impacted this record. Uh, you know, he was in the studio for a while. But yeah, this is definitely the product of uh, that loss, I would say. And I think it, it uh, came out pretty well. I mean, what, what did you think, considering you know, like a milder Mac Miller fan than, than I? Anyone that wants to go back and listen to our review of Divine Feminine, Feminine uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Uh, I was big into Mac when uh, he dropped Blue Slide Park and some of his uh, mixtapes, but I haven't really been super into his recent work, but I, I really enjoyed this album. Um, it's a little more, I don't know, I don't know if melancholy is the right word, but mellow, uh, and it kind of relies more on like keys, orchestras. I got a lot of like a Frank Ocean or like, and some of the songs kind of sounded Anderson Packy in a way. I think there's... Oh, yeah, sure. They had a song on Yeah, Feminine. I think he's really trying to follow their creative lane right now. And it's a great creative lane to, to be in. And he pulls it off pretty well. The only thing I, I think I can say is it did sound a little uh, homogeneous throughout. Some of the songs sounded similar. Um, and I think he delivers the songs really well, but... Also, some of the content, while introspective, I didn't find super intriguing at times. But overall, really solid mm. effort. I know you're a bigger Mac fan. Were you? Were you? Was this what you expected from him at this time? I guess. No, yeah, I, I really like this. I mean, you already kind of spoke to it, but Mac Miller came up nine years ago, a long time ago. Kind of became the poster boy of you know like frat rap, white frat rappers, right? Because he quickly became the most famous one, and that music was fine, but it's. You know, a lot of people really didn't like it, and um, I actually really don't like listening to it now. I was a big fan of it at the time, uh, but then you know his whole progression, the music he's making now, is so much uh, different and obviously much better. And you know, he really—it's—it's it's really been fun watching this career improve as he's gone. Like, I mean, you could see the seeds of this on like his Macadelic tape in twenty, uh, what was that, twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. And then watching movies with the sound off, the second album, the one after Blue Slide Park in 2013, was like this quantum leap. It was like, oh, wait, 
Mac Miller's now your favorite rapper's favorite <laughs> rapper. Everybody fucks yep. with him. Schoolboy Q fucks with him, right? And on Macadelic, you know, he had a Kendrick feature in 2012, for example. He had Joey Battis' first official feature. Mm-hmm. He quickly was becoming just ingratiated in, like, mainstream hip-hop, right? And as he's grown, like, I think Good AM, again, was his best record date at the time. I think Divine Feminine isn't as good as this new record, uh, Swimming. But you kind of see, like, the through line. Like, Ariana Grande, like, was his muse yep. on that one. And now she's his ex-muse, is something he lost mm-hmm. in his life. And the introspectiveness, like you said, is certainly present. Yeah, maybe not, not always super interesting, super fun to revisit. But I think it's it's pretty compelling. And now he, the guy who was a frat rapper and pissing everyone off just because he's just a moron, right? Now he's, like, he just hangs out with Sid and Thundercat. Like, that's what he likes to Hell do. Hell yeah. He just jams out on his like thirty pianos like that. <laughs> so it's just it's just been really cool. He's only twenty six too. It's like he's still young. But yeah, I think this record's really cool. There's I think there's a lot of fun songs on it. I think Perfecto and Ladders are pretty dope. Uh, Jet Fuel I like. Then Small Worlds was on here. That was from that trio of uh, Lucy's he dropped at the end of May, right when uh, uh Pusha T was going after Drake around that yeah. time. And I thought that was uh an interesting choice to keep on this because my favorite record of those three Lucy's was Programs, which is on our Spotify playlist. So mm-hmm. check that out if you're not already following that. And Programs was much more aggressive, you know, just, you know, rapidly rap map, yep. right? But I was thinking, I was like, well, I like that song more. It probably wouldn't have fit on Swimming. You know, Swimming, he's more reserved and mellow in his delivery. So, you know, I think sometimes that delivery uh, doesn't always work. Jen Define Feminine, you saw this, where he's you know, growing a lot as a singer, but he's still not a great singer. So sometimes his vocals uh, can be a little off, but again, he's always seems to be trying things. So I was, uh, you know, again, pleasantly surprised with, uh, now he made a, a funky ass album, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's funny thinking back to blue slide park and then this album, you know, blue slide park being his proper first album, uh, up all night and like Frick park market, Party on Fifth Ave, like, <laughs> such a different sound. I think there's elements to those. You know, I think he always kind of, like, had, like, brass sections. And I think there were there were parts of, of his just musical interest that he's now starting to explore more with these and, and a much, much, much more mature sound, like you said. Um, but, you know, Mac, Mac Miller, I find to be kind of compelling. I was, uh, I was checking out his recent Tiny Desk concert, which I think they put on YouTube this mm. weekend, which was awesome. Um, yeah, and he's like you said, he's working with people like Thundercat, uh, Schoolboy Q, some people that you know definitely Vince. Yep, take take a different different tone, different lane in this. And I wonder, I'm really excited to see where his career is going to go because I think he has potential to make, probably not on the level of Kendrick Lamar, but kind of in that same vein, something that could use the sound of "To Pimp a Butterfly." And if he has something he actually really wants to say. I, I could see him having like a record that could be a top ten record in a year, you know. Yeah, and and I, I agree. And I think what's probably good for him right now is he's famous, he's well known, and he he was quite famous pre Ariana Grande, but obviously mm-hmm. that really catapulted him just in terms of casual people knew who he right. was, right? And now he just exists in a space where the rap game likes mm-hmm. him. He's connected as fuck. He he signed. He started out as independent, one of the most successful independent artists we've ever had. Then he, uh, you know, kind of played out that. So now he's on Warner, and he's a dependable artist for Warner. So he has a lot of label support. 
But there's no pressure on Mac right. Miller. Like this weekend, Mac Miller and YG drop, and and uh, behind Travis Scott, Travis Scott's Astro World, this big album that everyone has high expectations for. And Travis Scott's never been more famous, mm-hmm. you know, with Kylie Jenner and whatnot. And then Mac can just exist, and he can make his artsy fartsy project, have the critics like it, have his core fans that are still around like it, and keep doing what he's doing. You know, it's it's really like low stakes for him in, in the best possible way, and. I think that's great, and I, I agree. I think with more uh, fine tuning of the lyrics and stuff, I think he can continue to improve, and he's gonna have a long ass career and crazy that he's been around so long and he's still only twenty six. Yeah, crazy man. So he's uh he's still kind of slept on. A lot of people um, either stopped listening to him as he started changing because they were more fans of the Frat Rap or didn't like Frat Rap, which is a totally defensible stance, and never realized that he got way better and changed. So I feel like there's still, you know, fans to be had for Matt. So I hope this does work for I him. talked about this on the pod, how I got in a, a brief Twitter back and forth with Hoodie Allen back in, in our college days, about like six or seven years ago about, this was right after, um, you know, Blue Slide Park came out and I was saying, you know, I think Mac is better than Hoodie Allen and Hoodie Allen took exception and we had a short exchange. But it's funny because we reviewed Hoodie Allen last year and he was somebody I was out on. And I think he actually started to, mature as well obviously a different sound and he still i think holds more to that poppy um you know party-ish sound that mac has definitely moved away from but it's nice to see them both maturing and and moving up in different ways obviously mac a different level of of artist and respect Mm -hmm. but just funny to think about why don't we move on to somebody who i know you were really pumped for this album and i saw your tweets and i know didn't necessarily it wasn't what you expected YG still dangerous. His follow up to 2016. Stay dangerous. Oh, stay dangerous to still breezy from 2016. Talk to me about this album, Dave. Yeah, man. YG. Fuck, man. I'm so disappointed. How would you this. describe YG as an artist? Yeah, well, he he became a really exciting artist in 2014. He started out as this LA mixtape rapper. Mm-hmm. Gets put on the map with Tudin Boot It from like yep. 09, which featured Ty Dolla Sign also, <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, oh, YG, cool. And then he, then his debut album, My Crazy Life, comes out. DJ Mustard, hot on the scene with the fucking hottest beats, producer of the year, right? And then you're like, fuck, YG is like way better than we ever, th- ever thought possible. And there was just bangers on bangers on that. And of course, my hit was the big hit. And then 2016, we, which we reviewed, first year of the pod, check it out, Snap on Climb Nostalgia Pod, Still Brazy comes out. And not only is it another great West Coast record like My Crazy Life, but now it's a throwback West Coast record with California G-Funk, like he's fucking Dr. Dre. And he has hits, again, like uh, Why You Always Hate Him with Drake and Still Brazy, the title track. Then he also has Fuck Donald Trump, the viral song from yeah. the album. But then he also has Blacks and Browns and uh, Please Get Away With Murder. Right, and he's got like these lyrical songs about the treatment of black people and 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 the Me- Mexican sentiment, right? And I was like, wow, there's a lot to YG, despite the fact that he's still a hard, authentic ass gangster rapper from fucking Compton, right? I was like, wow, there's a lot to like here, and the songs are great too. It's like it really was the whole package, and then it gets stay dangerous, and it's just, I mean, to be charitable, I would say he was running in place on this mm-hmm. record, but frankly, I think it's a step yeah. backward given the momentum he had critically. He throws away the, the the throwback sound, which is fine. I'm not saying you have to 
be a throwback record again. Someone like Joey Badass started out with a throwback New York sound and moved away from that. That's mm-hmm. fine. But what he replaced it with is just generic and doesn't feel special. Right. And frankly, I think a lot of the a lot of the songs he doesn't really sound like himself. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Bomb Town's finest. The last songs where he finally said, "Oh wait, there's like that YG cadence and YG charisma we remember." But on a lot of this, on a lot of Stay Dangerous, it just just felt generic. And YG hasn't felt generic in four years. Yeah. So I was just very disappointed. Yeah, and I also felt like a lot of his rhymes on this were lazy. Uh, I can't remember which song it was, but he actually like starts to recite like Duck Duck Goose on one of the songs, and I was yeah, like, "It's on there, <laughs> dude!" Like you were, you started off your last album with "Who Shot Me," like an like an introspective look at actually being shot in the boot, yeah, the, the studio. studio, and then like that kind of set the tone for the whole record and where you were going. And then talking about freaking Duck Duck Goose on this album, it was a little disappointing. And I also thought, you know, DJ Mustard isn't what he used to be, but still like he used to have that like bouncy like just you it, it would just pull you into the songs and now these kind of fell flat you know other than maybe uh, we talked about this off air but too cocky seems to be the song that i think everybody's uh, you know taking away from this album saying that there's there's still a lot to be excited for with yg and there there is i mean this is a bad record it doesn't mean he's a bad artist and he's got an incredible look going on right now those like le- that leather <laughs> shoes with those small glasses, freaking hilarious, man. But just, I mean, for someone that moves so deep in- lyrically from where you know from where uh, my crazy life was to you know stay uh, st- mm-hmm. still breezy, and then this, I don't know. It's disappointing, and I hope he's able to find some people that push him a little bit because he also seems to just kind of feel content with where he's at. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's entitled to a victory lap. Fine, you know. I just, I just thought it it would just come out a little better. That's all. Um, and like, I was kind of worried going in just because all the singles, the Suwu, uh, Big Bank, and then Handgun with Rocky, and I was like, mm. yeah, none of this really sounds like YG. Like Big Bank's just a, that's just a fucking trap yep. record. Anyone could have made that. And guess what? The best part's Nikki, not YG. Yeah. So it's like. And handgun, I, I every day I, I decide I like it or I don't like it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's and Subu is forgettable. So it's like I don't know. It's just I was just just flat out underwhelmed. And I think six 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 with young boys are right. I think power with dollar signs fine. Uh, I thought Slay Quavo's got a generic hook on there, but it's still a catchy ass hook. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I'm just I wish I liked it more really do <laughs> i hate seeing you this way man i know that that <laughs> usually you can find some positives even in the records most people don't like what about travis scott so i mean this is a guy who you know he's dropping his third album he had rodeo back in what was at 14 15 15 and then what's it called something at night it says mcknight birds in the trap sing yeah. mcknight in 2016 and then he had uh huncho jack with quavo which was an underwhelming project but he's really, his star has really, you mentioned this earlier, really risen up. I mean, he headlined Governor's Ball. He just headlined Oshiaga. I think it was literally last night or maybe two nights ago. It was a release yeah. date. Oh, so it was Friday. Friday. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, if you look at festivals and just popularity, seems to be skyrocketing. But I'm not sure if his catalog necessarily warrants that. You saw him at Governor's Ball. You said stargazing was an absolute hit and that he brought a ton of energy and 
the set was crazy. So I, I was expecting a lot from this album. And Astro World, first of all, he kind of just dropped the release day out of nowhere. A week before. It's this. It's an hour long. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's either going to be a lot of good, a lot of bad. And I thought it was good and a lot of mediocre. I don't know if there's a lot to really dislike on this album. But I'm not a big Travis Scott fan. So as someone that's a little bit more well-versed, a little bit more familiar, is this what you were expecting? Because I hear people were waiting for this album for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it Friday was dominating Twitter, mm-hmm. that's for sure. I can't quite remember where exactly the Astroworld hype came from, but Travis first started teasing Astroworld at his next album in 2017. Yep. And at the time, I was like, nah, bro, we good. <laughs> Rodeo is 15, Birds and Trap is 16. You can take some time. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And he took, you know, almost half, uh, over half a year longer, which was cool, man. And, you know, remember he was in Hawaii on his Dark Twisted Fantasy shit with a lot of these producers. And it really seemed like he's putting in effort because Travis Scott's a really interesting artist just with a story about him, fame not even included. It's just he came up as a producer, a really good producer working with Kanye. He signed the good music on uh, Very Good Beats imprint. Uh, that's a producer. It's a producer signed to Ye and he's an artist signed to uh, whoever he's mm-hmm. with. It's not universal. And Rodeo comes out in 15. And he dropped the Al Faro mixtape, and Upper Echelon comes out. Like, All right, Travis can get hype. Some good shit on here. And, you know, Drugs, You Should Try It, and Hell of a Night, and then he had Mama CD. Mm. He had some songs people could point to. It was like, there's something here. And which he plays a lot of those live still. And Rodeo comes out in 15. Obviously, he's big. I think it's his most viewed YouTube video still, but Antidote, big radio hit from that, mm-hmm. right? Banger. But a lot of the underappreciated songs on Rodeo, like Maria, I'm Drunk, and uh, a few, uh, 90210, you're like, oh, wow. Like, there's something, like, I don't know if he totally landed on Rodeo, but there's something going on with Travis Scott. Mm-hmm. And Birds in the Trap comes out, an album that I had in my top five in 2016, but Birds in the Trap is not like Rodeo. All that like potential and like things we could see with him, he didn't, he didn't really do those. He just kind of went the other way, went more trappy, but he also had a lot of fucking bangers and hits on Birds in the Trap. So a lot of his fans were really into it. So Astral, I wasn't really sure what he was going to do. And frankly, I don't think he went back to the rodeo thing. What I think really shines about Astral is that the fucking sound really sh- really shows that he was in Hawaii working with all these What, Boy Wonder, Sunny Digital, Wonder Girl, fucking Tay Keith is on here, Hit Boy's mm-hmm. on here, right? He's got a murderer's row of producers of the moment. And I think it flows really well. I think Butterfly Effect, a single from last year, Sounds really great in the sequence of this album. Another one of his songs, like Stargazing, that's way more hype when he performs it live than the studio version. But yeah, I think obviously he's he's not Kendrick Lamar with with the with the pen. No. He is a suspect. Some uh, clunker. Sit the Remy, keep it papoose or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like groan. Or uh, I tell her BYOB. That means bring your own bring booze. Your own booze. Yeah. Bro, n- literally none of your fans need that explained. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I think the vibe is, is is what people wanted, and I think there's a lot of a lot of hits on here. But it, 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 there's there's filler. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there, there's definitely filler to it. But you know, sicko sicko mode with Drake. I think people mm. are gonna point to. I think that that song is hot, dude. Like I, that production is ridiculous. The, the, there's the three beat mm-hmm. clips, four producers on yeah. it. But I think it's the middle part, which I think is Hit Boy. Uh, fuck! Like you just listen now with great headphones. That's a master of last yep. production. That song. And that's before you forget about the Drake and Travis. Yeah, <laughs> and having that 
right following Carousel, which Frank Ocean, like, semi-rapping, semi-singing on that, which I also think is a hot yeah. song. Uh, and then later on, you know, you have um, Stop Trying to Be God, which I think actually is a really great song with if you have some really good headphones on. You can hear a lot of little things in the production of that. And then a mm-hmm. song like Skeletons, he has freaking Kevin Parker from Tame Impala make, uh, making a beat for him on this uh, with, what, The Weeknd and Pharrell on this and- track? Correct. crazy like he's you know you talk about like mac miller's album and how he's he has a sound but it's it's kind of a small record you know it's it's he doesn't does he have any features on it i think it's just him right mac? yeah I, th- I, uh, I don't think i think so. it's just him he might have had like thundercat on, on a right uh, but no yeah. singing features and then yeah. all right he might have had snoop dogg i think behind one of them maybe i don't know yeah uh nothing credit credit okay um and then you come to this, and you have all these collaborations and all these different influences, all these producers, all these musicians. Uh, this is why you, you come. And you know, I, doing some reading, I saw a lot of people saying he was uh, saying he was kind, of, or people compare him to Kanye in the way that he's a great collaborator, and he can get a lot of people to come to these these records, and and he can get the best out of them when they come. And if you're comparing it, you know, if you're looking comparing him as an artist just in that vein, I think he's up there because pretty much everybody that comes mm-hmm. on, except for obviously Nav, who's been clowned online <laughs> uh, incessantly, um, I think everybody that comes on this does pretty well. Sway Lee also stood out to me a lot in this, sounding really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Sway Lee's got background vocals on Sicko mm-hmm. Mode, and he's got that uh, real feature on RG yep. Screw. Um, you mentioned Stop Trying to Be God. That has an obvious James Blake yep. performance, but Stevie Wonder's on the harmonica. <laughs> yeah. uh, Travis's team confirmed that. And uh, 21 Savage, I thought, actually had yeah. a really, really good verse on NC-17. Um, there's a really cool line about uh, not being signed to yay, and then the, what was it, the baby face line <laughs> about sex. I was like, 21, bringing it. That was not a phoned-in verse. Good job. Um yeah, no, and then no bystanders. You got Check West and Juice World on mm-hmm. there, like, and of course the whole thing was executive produced by Mike Dean, yep. who is like Travis Scott from Houston, someone who reps Houston. And I mean, there's a Goody Mob interpolation on here, so I think Travis's Houston influence, something he openly reps, is also present on this. So yeah, I think uh, it, it it definitely landed. It definitely hit. Definitely, you know, it's uh, it, just to, to talk about Twenty One real quick. I was thinking about him this weekend because he's he's had a couple of features this year and I, I can't recall the songs off my head but I feel like every time I hear him come come in I'm like oh 21 just killed that and I feel like he's starting to be mm-hmm. almost like two chains in a way where two chains will come out of track oh, and just dude. drop like a heater and then he's gone you're like holy shit that, he just killed that I, I like that comparison yeah. actually that's great <laughs> and it's funny because Birds in the Trap uh, 21 was featured on Outside. Mm-hmm. And that was really the first feature I like, really liked from 21. When he first came up, I was like, I don't know about yeah. this dude. But he got way better, obviously. And yeah, he's on quite the run. So, And obviously there's a song with Take Off and Quavo on here too, which I think is is pretty solid as well. Mm-hmm. So, he, And then Astro Thunder, uh, great vibe song. Also happens to have John Mayer and Thundercat <laughs> helping make this song. And then towards the end, uh, Houston Fornication, I liked. Um there's some, I mean, there's some actually some solid lines about his relationship with Kylie on here, so I think, um, yeah, I, I've, there's a lot of riding on this. It could have really flopped due to expectations, but I think most people are going to be uh, really happy with this. Whether it's just going back to stuff like Sicko Mode or 
putting it on wherever and just letting it kind of vibe out. So, yeah, I think it's a successful record for Travis and something he needed given how famous he is. A lot of the industry has been behind him a long time. He's willing to deliver on a mm-hmm. project that's, like, you know, good on all counts, right? Absolutely. So, good record that we'll be going back to, no doubt. Yeah, and we, we added, what song do we add on there? Sicko Mode or, oh, Stargazing, obviously. Yeah, so check that out. You can go to our Twitter and click through the links there, and there's our Nostalgia Best of 2018 Spotify playlist. Give it a listen. That's enough music for today. Why don't we talk about Succession? I mean, for this year, there haven't been many TV shows where I felt like I needed to watch the finale or I needed to watch the episode as soon as possible to be part of the conversation. And I think this is the first time this year a show has really grabbed the zeitgeist in that way and people feel like they wanted to be talking about it immediately after it happened. You know, last night was the 10th episode of the first season of Secession, which follows the Roy family, loosely based off the Murdoch family in real life. follows Logan Roy and Royco, right? It's Waystar Royco? Yes. Yeah, Waystar Royco, media company, and his three children, Kendall, Siobhan, oh no, four children, Connor, Kendall, Siobhan, and Roman. I, I forget about fucking Connor. And then he comes in last night wanting to be yeah, president all of a sudden. It's like, what the fuck? Gotta keep the seed, bro. Yeah, and it's really just about, you know, how this family, like, fights for power, how they try to gain favor with their father, and how they just interact as a family in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think when we mentioned it on the pod like, 11 weeks ago or so, I said I was not going to check the show out because just with the way things are, are right now, political climate, mm-hmm. following a Trump-like figure on a, you know, a TV show, I, I want to kind of forget about that kind of stuff didn't really seem appealing in, in my downtime. But man, this show surprised the hell out of me. The first three episodes, a little slow. It, it takes a little buildup, but there's enough there to say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested. And then episode four hits. And if, you know, we're going to be going into spoilers. So after the after I give this breakdown or my, my breakdown, you might want to jump off. Once episode four hits, it's like a fucking rocket. They found their stride. They found exactly what to do with each character to make them interesting and appealing and they nailed it so obviously i'm high on it give me your non-spoiler reaction to this show yeah and i think you hit on some of them but there's like a lot of like surface level like boilerplate things people were talking about at the beginning first three episodes wasn't really into it kind of slow it's like billions would veep i don't like these people i can't relate with the one one percenters especially in today's climate like all these reasons people are given to not like it right and you, you spoke to the zeitgeist and you know, in a year without Game of Thrones, in a year without Stranger Things even, there was no monoculture show. I don't I think it's close to the best show of the year, but shows like Atlanta and Barry and Killing Eve, those did not command uh, such a week to week, you know, ride the way Secession did as it grew. I think coming out in the summer was probably uh, the best possible time for the show, given that mm-hmm. it didn't have to compete with anyone. HBO gave it a good push and away we were, but yeah, I think the show was incredibly smart, compelling, always entertaining, and of course funny, and mm-hmm. coupled by great performances that are, you know, none of these are A-list actors, but good That's actors, right. people you might have recognized or seen before, but most people you don't know of, and even someone like Brian Cox, who's the most famous actor on the show, you know, he's not, not a lot of people like are Brian Cox stands, right? So <laughs> I think that's compelling. The fact that it wasn't based on a previous IP, it wasn't a mystery box show, like, yep. it was just the original story about, you know, power dynamics and family, and I think it's it's incredibly well done, and it, it's so rewarding as the show 
finishes out the first season. It's the first season that can stand alone. The show can end right now, and everyone will be pretty satisfied. It can also go in any direction for season two, so cannot recommend it more highly. Uh, fantastic show. Yeah, we're, we're going to be jumping into spoilers now, so uh, if you haven't watched the show, but take some time. Uh, I don't recommend you binge it because I think it's a show you, you should digest a little bit, but uh, you know, finish it in, in, in like two or three weeks and come back and check this out. Uh, share it with your friends in the meantime who have watched it because uh, I, I want a lot of people to be talked about this with us because this show commands it. I mean, it, you touched on a lot of the, the, the things that overcame, a lot of the reasons people gave to not watch it. It take, It's a show where you really don't like any of the people, but mm-hmm. you're you're captivated by it um and obviously i think kendall and his father and their relationship seems to be you know the like the a a plot the main story of the season um but each relationship is very interesting with logan um but why don't we start with kendall because i i thought uh jeremy strong was fantastic in this and you people probably know him from uh he had a, a small role in the big sick uh, big short, um, not the big sick. Big short, sorry, not the big sick. Big short. Um, I don't, I don't really know what else you might have seen. He him. was in some smaller stuff, but he was really more of a stage actor, honestly. Right. But and, yeah, he's he's the clear standout performer, just because yeah. the arc Kendall has throughout the season. Again, those first three episodes it starts out. It's like Kendall's by and large protagonist for the audience, and it's like, yeah, but like, do I like this dude? Do I care about this dude? And yeah, it's tough to like him throughout the season. But man, does what happened to him uh, make for good TV. And again, I think the show is so smart and so expertly mm-hmm. scripted that, that it doesn't come off as cartoonish, right? And I think I saw some points going around that's like, Kendall doesn't have like some big speech versus Logan, right? He doesn't have like mm-hmm. an Aaron Sorkin uh, come up come up its moment, right? It's just... He just kind of goes up and then goes back down, and he he's like, you know, trying to take down his dad, and he keeps getting put down. And it's, I think the whole arc is is, is done so well. And Jeremy Strong, uh, whether it, you know he's acting a character sometimes sober, sometimes not, um, has him compel a, a lot of emotion for an actor who is a bad communicator. You know, it's hard <laughs> to get across as an actor. So I think uh, he was he was great. And Brian Cox is another actor who performance that really grew throughout the season both as logan overcame his stroke and got his strength but also as they gave logan more to do throughout the season and kind of came clear uh how what his character really was how much monstrous he was right so yeah i think their relationship was was so compelling and that's actually something about season two that i really you know i you could talk yourself into any uh new plot just because like where do they go from here? I don't. I, they can't run back what happened with Logan uh, or uh, Kendall again. You know, right? Yeah, you know, it, you were talking about how he conveys so much without having a character that can really speak well. I'm thinking about last night's episode, like watching him walk up the staircase to give his father the what proposal to the bear to hug. The, yeah, the bear hug, and man, like you just wa- watching him walk through that crowd, and you could almost see like every emotion that was going through his head in that scene it's so well portrayed and then he had his bit his big line is uh i want to i want to do good things mm-hmm. nailed it dude but you knew everything he was he was going through in that moment and it's kind of crazy when probably the strongest thing he did all season against his dad uh 
called him a beast to his face. Other than that, every attempt he had, you're a beast, um, fell short. And uh, man, Logan is is my winner of this season only because guy had a stroke. Which I want to talk about writing. What a what a smart thing to do at the end of the first episode because not only are you like, oh, I wonder how this is going to affect the rest of the family. But then it really pushes Kendall's storyline because he feels like in that moment he needs to take on the head roll and then it's taken away from him, but he still wants it. And it's such a great back and forth. Um, but, I mean, he, he overcomes the stroke. He overcomes a potential overthrow of him. Then he stops the bear hug when he gets the dirt on Kendall at the end. Um, you know, the whole time he is battling uh, Siobhan's, uh, you know, the... The senator, the person Siobhan Bernie standing Bernie Sanders. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a, I yeah. mean, there's a lot, lot of interesting stuff going on. What other performances really stood out to you from this season? Well, yeah, I think the 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 show again doesn't have any like A-listers really besides I guess right. Brian Cox just because of longevity, but it's a deep cast of talented performers, right? I mean, obviously all the kids are really good. Kieran Culkin as Roman, I think his performance is just interesting on a surface level just because he's more like tuned up and amped up as a performer mm-hmm. in those first few episodes and then as they kind of like tweak Roman the show gets stronger. Don't know if it's a direct correlation mm-hmm. but something that happened. Uh, but Kieran Culkin's really good. I mean again he's Macaulay's brother. You know uh, Rory Culkin's a little yeah. hot, hotter right now but Kieran was in Fargo season 2 for example. Um, Sarah Snook is great as Shiv. I think Shiv is probably the most competent yeah. of, of the kids. But also, mm-hmm. as you go through the season, also really hard to like and root for, you know? Yep. <laughs> and shout out to her as an Australian, really nailing the Eng- uh, American English accent. Seriously. Uh, Matthew McFadden as Tom, also mm-hmm. an Englishman, doing a really good uh, American yep. accent. And I think he's awesome. And he's someone like, oh, you didn't really recognize him. But yeah, he was in all these British uh, per- uh, prestige shows, like Howard Zen this year. And mm-hmm. again, someone you, it's it's so rewarding to have TV do what it used to do all the time back in the day. Oh, who's this dude? Oh, oh wow, I like this dude now. You know, I didn't really know who he was. And right. Alan Ruck, well, more famous than the other people, as Connor, another one who yeah. he, you know, he he's like a you know like a, a like a lefty specialist in baseball. They use him for special roles in the show, but then they start expanding his role to like a multi inning reliever by the end, right? And yeah. like, you remember in the beginning, it was like. Oh, let let me have these freakouts at at the dinner thing, right? And it's, he has these great moments, but then like by the end, as they start to develop his relationship with his, you know, not really girlfriend, girlfriend, uh, the hooker, and he, yeah, and then he has some uh, ridiculous things then in the finale leading up to that. So uh, I liked him a lot, and then Nick Braun, revelation, yep. definitely the uh, the big winner in terms of talent <laughs> as yep. cousin Greg. Uh, again, another another character who starts as strictly comic relief, strictly uh, uh, someone for Tom to belittle, with who they have a great relationship on the show, mm-hmm. great chemistry. But then he starts to be, you know, get a little Machiavellian, right? As Kendall right. says, and really develop as a character and someone who I'm really curious to see what continues to happen to him. Uh, you know, break the fucking egg, and even like some of the supporting characters, like uh, Arian uh, Moyed as Stewie. Um, mm-hmm. He's great too. So I think yeah. the whole the whole cast is fucking you know, bananas in a great way. Yeah, it's funny to think about where each character is really going this, what their motivations are. And I feel like 
the last episode did a really great job. You know, the finale did a really great job of taking the three main ones, Shiv, Kendall, and Roman. I, I keep wanting to say Romulus because they call him Romulus so many times by the end. Um, and, and like turning them back into children. You know, uh, obviously Kendall after the, you know, he crashed into the water and uh, kind of killed that guy. It's hard to, yeah, basically Chappaquiddick 2.0. Um, just the way he looks the next day is very like childish and and small. Uh, you know that was a smart smart to put him uh, with cousin Greg because he's just you know Nick Braun's such a big or tall guy. Um, you know Shiv with with Tom and basically being like you know a commitment phobe and feeling like she can't really uh, really love anybody and, and make that sort of like long term solo commitment and then <laughs> on her wedding night. <laughs> and then Roman watches his big thing to impress his dad literally blow up and then just wipes his mouth and acts like he didn't even know. It, watching all three of them turn back into children it was just incredible TV. Right. And th- then you see Tom and how he's starting to kind of just get eaten alive by this family. Yeah, you know, goes from being this like pretty sweet guy He'll, who will fuck with, with cousin Greg to yeah. actually being cold-blooded killer, making him put the wine back in, in the wine bottle. Cause that was his parents' contribution to the wedding. So, <laughs> uh, and Greg, like you said, he's, he's the one who's growing the most, but he's, he's probably the one that you can most purely root for. Cause he's such a bystander. And he even says like, I'm glad you're buying this out. Cause we need this, these family politics to stop. We need like all this, uh, evil backstabbing mm-hmm. to stop and it's like no dude you don't get it this is the family this is the game which and, is and that that's logan's whole thing and he's at power. the and and cousin greg's at the crux of one of the untapped threads for next season yep. all the documents he copied about the right uh, sexual misconduct on the cruise line right that we still uh, don't really know how uh, the extent of it per se you know it could mm-hmm. be even worse and uh, you know you mentioned making the kids be back as kids again and again they're all like 30 something adults in real in, in the show but i think that's how Lo- like logan knows how to handle his kids when they're actually acting as kids like he never mm-hmm. you know as far as we know he never could really handle logan or, or kendall becoming an important member of the company uh, and part of that's uh kendall's fault you know being unreliable and uh maybe not as smart as he thinks he is you know but it's interesting to see the kind of that full circle where like Logan has never felt more in control than he is in the finale and judging off the watching the pilot and then having Kendall plan not one but two coups, you just never would have expected it to end this go this way, you know? Yeah. It's uh I think they did a really good job using things that could very easily have moved the season a different direction just as ways to portray uh people as people you know you talk about um like all the stuff with with connor and and his hooker girlfriend but really just trying to find somebody that he loves and can take care of and that can depend on him um and how kind of heartbreaking that is you know that it has to be this person that he was literally paying to (laughs) to be with him uh you talk about kendall with with his children and how that was used to really kind of show his own like insecurities and his own inability to feel like he has a, con- a handle on his life and what it means to be an adult and then his, his drug use as well which can usually kind of derail a season that's what his whole arc could have become about but it was used more as just a way to show that this was a person who 
has a lot of demons and can't really cope and obviously it was used as a driving force to, uh towards like the big chapaquitic moment <laughs> driving force eh? yeah there we go um but yeah just in a lot of a lot of really great plotting and writing and the show can like you said can go in a hundred different directions with with all the stuff that they've talked about this season do you think this is a show that can have like a long-standing time on hbo because you like we said we don't really have characters here that we like other than maybe greg yeah i think i think i I think three seasons would be perfect you know it kind of seems like that could be a you could foresee the uh jesse armstrong the uh, showrunner probably yeah. had and the writer and the creator of the show he probably has something like that in mind you know like i this isn't on showtime billions on showtime which by all accounts right. there's three seasons has never been better that shit going for seven seasons because it's showtime that's just what they oh, do yeah. but I, I don't think the let's the session go that deep you know this is not like deep per se which is straight comedy you know i think there's this, this should be a little shorter and you know i think i mean fuck they, they run such a heater i mean Episode six is when Kendall has the, the failed failed coup with the trap and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have Austerwitz, that great episode when they go on that like fake family retreat, right? Yeah. And then Prague, probably just the flat out funniest episode of the season where they have the mm-hmm. bachelor party for Tom <laughs> and the load swallowing and whatnot. <laughs> and the final two episodes are all around the wedding and it's just everything coming to a head and I mean they have such they had such momentum going into the finale and they then they managed to top it with perhaps the best episode of the season, you know? Yeah. So I, I would hope that they do uh, less I'd rather be wanting more than go too long, just because they're it's just so well written and so smart. I, I would hate to see it uh, you know, decline in quality. Yeah, and uh, you know, in a lot of ways I think once Logan dies, which I think will probably be how this show will end eventually um you know rupert murdoch's family or rupert murdoch was sold the business before anyone in his family could actually take it over so yeah. uh yeah, i mean if they're following that as a blueprint they have a a great ending already in place um yeah i mean this is obviously i think the the most popular show on tv right now um do you think that if, if like thrones for example was coming back later on in the year let's say they were dropping their last season would this show have been something we, that everybody was as excited for or do you think it's like a lack of uh, you know huge shows right now um that kind of led this to be this popular yeah i think i think it's, the timing is definitely that just because mm-hmm. now because it was a week-to-week show i think that probably benefited a slow yeah. start people were more inclined to give it a shot when there was only one episode for them to watch like, all right, let me check it again. Still wasn't really feeling too, but, you know, they watched it. So if they had dropped 10 at once, you know, a lot more people would just bail just because it's more intimidating, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely the product of, of the environment. Where, I mean, we're going to have some big shows coming back in the fall. It'll be you know, hard to get eyeballs, but, I mean, you know, it came out perfect time. And, yeah, I mean, I just don't think HBO probably wouldn't have ran with Game of Thrones. Right. Fair, you know? Yeah, and... You know they 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 got uh, insecure coming back right now. Sharp objects wrap wrapping up soon. Um, HBO is still pumping out that content. I'm, they're not gonna be lacking. The Deuce for it, coming but... back before we know it next month. Man, crazy! This year is freaking flying by. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked out Secession, give give it four episodes. And if I know it's hard to say like oh stick with the show for four hours because time is valuable, especially when you 
have so many options to choose from. But this is really a show that if you can get past the fourth episode, I think you'll be hooked and glad that you stuck with it. Very rewarding. Also, uh, shout out Nick uh, Brittell, the guy that did the the soundtrack in the the main opening. That that oh, piano, yeah. great cue, amazing, perfect. Uh, show just overall is is a class show. So definitely check it out. What's on the docket for next week, Dave? We're going to be talking Better Call Saul premiere, season four premiere. We didn't really talk about Better Call Saul season three last year just mm-hmm. because you were you were behind. We were watching different times, so I'm excited to you know get into that. Obviously. I love season three, and we got Black Clan's been coming up from Spike Lee. We got the best record coming out. We're gonna get to Killing Eve soon. Something yep. we've been talking about finally getting to right before the Emmys at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got plenty of stuff coming. Bigger albums on the horizon we'll begin to as well. But look out next week should be packed. Yeah, a lot of content. We'll also uh, be giving a little preview of what we're excited for for the fall. A lot of interesting things. Vampire Weekend headline Lala this past week and uh, i wa- streamed their set live and they crushed it they played a punk three times in a row after they came out which i thought was an interesting choice overall they sounded great and i'm really excited to have them back and have their new album coming out soon so we'll be talking about that and other thing things we're excited for oh, for yeah. the fall so stay tuned subscribe down below go to soundcloud.com nostalgiapod hit us up on twitter at nostalgiapod dave at martin swagger me at shiny world peace any last last thoughts for today, Dave? Check out our Spotify playlist once more, just because we put a lot of time in that, and it's fucking what eighty songs now. It's it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot of there. tunes, all genres. There's definitely stuff you missed on there, so hit that up. Don't bring a dildo made of Swiss cheese to a knife fight. Peace out. Yeah.